Good afternoon, and welcome to One More Thing, featuring authors, artists, celebrities, entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Donna Lynn, with a warm welcome, inviting you to tune in Sundays at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on BBS Radio for in-depth talk and terrific guests. Coming up, accomplished singer, songwriter, speaker, and host of Achieving Awesomeness Now, my friend Nathan Osman joins me. Welcome, Nathan. You're awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Donna Lynn. You could be my publicist <laughs> any day. But you knew uh, I was going to say that. And, and ladies and gentlemen, he never paid me did to you say like one my intro thing I wrote? <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you for having me back on your show. It's been You're forever since I've been on here with you. Uh, well, you recently celebrated... And this has caused a celebration, 100 episodes on your own podcast, Achieving Awesomeness. Now, it's a great title. Big congrats. You discuss so many, um, a lot of different subject matter. We do. We do. And I wanted to keep it broad because, you know, every one of us is going through something and hopefully growing through something. Life is not easy. Life is tough. In fact, my father and mother have a rock outside their house. And it's engraven, and it says, Life is Tough, T-U-F-F. And it's an (laughs) acronym that the Osmonds have had for years. It stands for Target, Understand, Focus, and Fight, T-U-F-F. That's how you achieve awesomeness. So I wanted to keep it broad because I love, like, so many different topics. I love history. I love music. I love just just being able to travel and meet people and hear their stories. So I said, I want to keep this interesting. So I named it Achieving Awesomeness Now so that we could talk about health, we could talk about leadership, we could talk about how to overcome depression, how about how to how to up your sales, how to how to you know whatever we want to talk about, we can talk about it because what is awesomeness? Well, what is well, success? I, you're I, very I, I um, eclectic the, person anyway, so it's perfect for you. Uh, it, it must be my ADD, you know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sit at the graveside of Noah Webster. When I was out there in New Haven, Connecticut, and one word that he did not define was awesomeness. He didn't define the word success because that is what you define. We all define what that word looks like to us. And so I like to ask my guests that question, what does achieving awesomeness mean to you? What does that look like? Because if it just means making lots of money, I know a lot of very successful rich people that aren't very happy. And to them, happiness is more valuable than the dollar. So, you know, it's what do you determine as success? And so we talk a lot about that. We talk about parenting. We talk about, uh, you know, the postpartum depression. We've had guests on there that, that talked about suicide prevention. I mean, we go there. We talk about the topics of the day and really help people that are going through things or growing through things how to have an extra couple tools in their toolbox to help yes. them to get through the good times and the tough times. And, you know, just that word, what does that word awesome mean to you? Because that's a word that we kind of throw around in this culture. You know, we tell a lot of people they're awesome. So what does that word really mean to you personally, Nathan? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I almost didn't name my show that because I use that word awesome a lot. In fact, I, my Aunt Marie and Uncle Donnie, you probably remember Donnie and Marie. They're my uncle of and course. aunt. I was on the set of their show one time, and I was sitting next to legendary broadcaster and producer Dick Clark. And I watched him as he was watching my uncle and aunt up on stage. He kept putting this little check mark on the piece of paper he was sitting there. He just kept putting these little marks on this paper. And I was just curious. And I just nudged him a little bit. I said, hey, what does that mean? those little marks that you're putting on the paper. And he goes, every time your Uncle Donnie says the word awesome, I dock him a point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He's trying to encourage them to use a different word than just awesome because we use it all the time. So what is awesomeness? You know, for me, I believe that every one of us is born with awesomeness within us. All of us are children of the Most High God, and I believe that. I really believe that we were all put on this planet for a purpose, and for a reason, and it's up to us to figure out what that is. And I believe that every one of us has something to leave here on this earth. And what I'm trying to awaken within everyone is, is that, that, that insight to find out, you know, what, what makes you awesome? What, what skill sets, what talents, what, 
what awesomeness do you have within you that you can leave here on this planet to make it a better place than the way you found it? And so I try to just help people to tap into that because uh, you are what you believe. You are what you say to yourself. We talk about the power of self-talk. We talk about the importance of goal setting. We talk about things that help you to maximize the time that you have here because, believe it or not, we're all going to graduate someday. I just sang at a funeral yesterday of a 22-year-old, you know, and it's just like none of us know our time on this planet. And so while we're here, let's create some awesomeness. Let's achieve it. And I put the word achieve in there on purpose because I believe that anything good is worth working for. Well, that's a great way to describe it. I think a lot of people have a problem figuring out their own awesomeness. I think you're right. You know what? We all have a little bit of Charlie Brown in us. And why do I say that? Well, I was cast in the lead of the musical You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, in the North American tour back in 2000 and, uh, what was it, 2001, a long time ago, right after I finished doing Joseph and the Amazing Technica, the Dreamcoat, for two years. And as I prepared for that lead role as Charlie, I went and took some acting classes, and I was determined to be the very best Charlie Brown out there. And so I went and took acting classes. I bought the yellow shirt with the black zigzag. I went down to Hallmark, and I bought a little cardboard Charlie Brown they had in the, in the window, the cutout, and I put that in my apartment. And as I started working on this one particular scene called The Doctor Is In, where Lucy comes and talks to Charlie Brown and says, Charlie, you got to come out and talk about everything that's wrong with you. And he does. He starts saying, I'm not very handsome or clever or lucid. I've always been stupid at spelling and numbers. I've never been much playing football or baseball or stickball or checkers or marbles or ping pong. I'm usually awful at parties and dances. I stand like a stick or I cough or I laugh or I don't bring a present or I spill the ice cream or I get so depressed that I stand and I scream, oh, how could there possibly be one small person as thoroughly, totally, utterly blah as me? (laughs) And as I sang that day after day and put paper bags on my head and said good grief everywhere I went, I noticed something about myself physiologically. I started feeling a heaviness on my shoulders. I started slumping. I started failing math. I started to actually turn into this little boy in the yellow black black shirt. And I didn't, it didn't make any sense to me at the time. I didn't know why Nathan Osmond, Mr. Achieving Awesomeness, now Mr. Positivity here, was feeling down in the dumps and why things were just starting to fall apart in my life. And so I had to go figure things out, Donalyn, and I, I went and sat out in front of this temple where my parents had gotten married. It's kind of a special spot for me and a place where I kind of meditate and pray from time to time. And as I sat there in my little red Pontiac trying to figure out life and depression, I, I, I literally had an awakening moment. I literally felt as if I had heard a voice in that car say to me, why don't you love yourself the way that I love you? And I literally looked over to the passenger side as if someone had just said that to me. And I realized in that moment that I had literally become Charlie Brown. My maker spoke to me, and if he could love me, why can I not love myself? And I, I, I stopped beating myself up. And I think every one of us listening to this today is our own Charlie Brown. We're our own worst critic. And if we treated others the way that we treat ourselves, if we said half the things to others that we say to ourselves, it would be considered abuse. We'd be in so very big I, trouble. And you were, you, uh, were yeah. doing some, you were doing some deep empathizing there with Charlie Brown. Um, well, you must be an, em- an empath, but heaven. yes, what you're saying yeah. is exactly true. We we do beat ourselves an up un- unruly, unduly. Yeah. Well, let's go back to um, your show for a minute because you, know? you are very eclectic. You talk to all kind of different people, so I just have to ask this question. What's it yeah. like to be on the other side, Nathan, asking the questions because you're used to answering the questions? You know, I, I thank you for asking that. I do love being interviewed and in and, and being interviewed all these years since I was just a little kid because I grew up on the set of the Donnie Marie show you know my father worked with me he coached me and I wasn't always you know gregarious and, and outspoken like this as I am now that actually came because I was actually on a I was on a show called Good Morning in when I was a kid when I was nine years old 
And it was really early in the morning because we're on Mountain Standard Time, and they're two hours ahead of us in New York. So I walk into these bright lights, and they put us behind this couch, and my parents are sitting on the couch, and my grandparents are there, and there's a bunch of Osmonds, right? And in the middle of this interview, Joan London singled me out and said, So, Nathan, do you enjoy this entertainment business? And guess who freezes on national television? <laughs> At the age of nine, I go, uh, yes, ma'am. Silence. That's all I said was, yes, ma'am. So my father sees I'm not going to say anything else, so he jumps in and saves the interview. And as we walked out of that television station there in, uh, in New York, my father puts his arm around me and he says, son, it's a talk show. Talk. People want to hear what you have to say. And on one end of the spectrum, I was very humiliated. I felt like I let my family down on national television. But on the other side of it, Donna Lynn, I was liberated because my hero, my dad, looked at me with the eyes of Gerda who said, treat a man the way he is. He only becomes, he only, you know, he only becomes worse. But treat the man the way that he could be, and then he becomes what he should be. My dad looked at me with those eyes and mm-hmm. said, people want to hear what you have to say. And I believed him. And so well, he that was, me that was and a wonderful thing that he did and said and, to you. Yes. And so we were going on Regis and Kathy Lee next. He says, I'm not going on the show with you. They're not here to interview me. They're here to interview you. And so he coached me, and he says, Nathan, two answers. I want two answers coming out of your mouth. Do you like this entertainment business? Yes, because. Mm-hmm. And he coached me, taught me how to be a good you know, uh, interviewee. And, and then, having done that so many times now, as I have the role now as an interviewer, I like to talk about things, especially as I work with a lot of artists and, and uh, other speakers and people. I interviewed the guy, the lead singer from uh, – uh, Vertical Horizon. His name is Matt Scannell. And after interviewing him, he's like, Nathan, that was like one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. And I said, well, thank you. He says, yeah, you actually asked me questions about things I wanted to talk about. <laughs> and I said, well, I guess it helps having been, a, you know, uh, still I'm a, still an artist, but, you know, having been in that seat and, and been on that side of the microphone. So I, I, I like to bring up questions about things that I'm interested in and want to talk about. From an, from an artist standpoint or from a speaker standpoint or an author standpoint, you know. So I try to keep the interviews fun and uplifting and exciting, and I like to ask hard questions because I want my audience to think. You've got to use your brain. There's a great book called Think and Grow Rich, which everyone should listen to or read out there. And if you read past the front cover of that book, you have read too much. The secret to that whole book is right there on the front cover It's the word think. John C. Maxwell, I won his leadership award two years in a row. He's got a book called Thinking for a Change. You should go read that one. So many great quotes in there about thinking, but we don't take time to be deliberate. It was was, uh, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, who said that. He says, take time to be deliberate, but when the time for action arrives, stop thinking and go in. You know, I, well, I don't, I don't think I we think like we used to because of technology, for one thing, has changed everybody's lives. And um, we don't converse as much eyeball to eyeball because we're texting people all the time or we're on email. So we're not thinking like we used to. You know, they call them programs for a reason, Donalyn, on the television or on the radio, because we are literally being programmed by the type of material that we allow to enter into our ears and our eyes. And once it's in there, it sticks. It does. It's not like like caffeine. I, I you know, if you drink coffee in the morning, guess what? It, it's out of your system by the afternoon. But once some visual or something negative or 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 some narrative that I mean, they're literally being programmed to think and buy and feel and vote right. and do all these different things. That's why they call them programs. Think well, we do that. believe. I mean, well, we do believe what we see. You know, that's right in front of us. But one thing we've been talking about coaching and. You are a master life coach, and you love inspiring people, even if it's just one person at a time. Um, Two-part question. What enticed you to become a life coach, Nathan, and how do you advise people? You know what? My wife had the idea for me to go after this. I was already out there doing motivational speaking and life coaching and things on the road. And even before COVID kicked in, she had been listening to a certain life coach. She said, Nathan you should definitely start your own podcast and do this. I think you would be great at it. And so I, I was doing 277 live events in 201 cities just in 2019. 
and then COVID, boom, you know. But I was mm-hmm. recording from my hotel rooms, and I was out there always away from my family. But I've been in the seminar world and speaking world for so many years. I just started off by calling a few of my friends up and inter- interviewed them, like Les Brown and Andy Andrews and other great number one best-selling, you know, New York Times bestsellers and the Millionaire Next Door. And just you know, it was so fun. And you know, I like most about it. Donna Lynn is that I get to ask questions to some of the greatest minds on this planet, and I get to record it and share with my kids. See, that's the thing is that I'm getting like free coaching sessions from some of these <laughs> other great coaches just by having a podcast. I get to talk to therapists. I get to talk to relationship experts and doctors and authors and, and rappers and all sorts of people. And I am gleaning something from every one of them, which is what the point is. Every one of us, including the listener to the podcast, has a story to tell. And I told them from episode one, I'm going to bring on people that you all recognize, and some of these people you have never heard of in your life. And See, I that's what happens you when because... you're an interviewer. You learn a lot of things from a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, you, so you You do. You, you learn a lot. That's do. why I've always used it as an educational tool. Um, yes. And I've taken it back in the classroom, and so it's so, so interesting. And you've done it now from both sides of the desk. Tell me, what do people tell you, Nathan, that they're concerned with these days? Uh, as we're living in very trying times, what kind of mm. questions do your clients or people ask you how they can improve their lives? Oh, boy. You know, we have our people write in to us and call us. and Some people have talked about uh, – Tell us about your wife's situation with postpartum depression, because that's a real big thing. And depression in general, um, because so many people, especially during COVID-19, were hit with all sorts of different type of depression. And myself included, I had my I had a panic attack, and I had a bunch of them all throughout one week. It all kind of came to a head, and I didn't realize what was happening. And it scared me to death. And so I got coaching. I got therapy. I got some help to find out what was happening internally within me, to learn more about me, what caused it, how I can fix it, how I can live with it and change it and change my mindset and overcome it so now I can pass it on to someone else. Mm-hmm. We talk about uh, suicide prevention. I'm, I'm good friends with a guy named John Gossett, who I brought on my show. He's the creator of the Life's Worth Living Foundation. And we talk about taboo topics like that because, uh, you know, in talking about it, I, he asked me about this song that I recorded for my new album called Don't Go There, which is all about suicide prevention. Well, guess who was listening to the podcast? Some DJ over in England. And he said, Nathan, he reached out to me. Would you send me that song? There's a young gal I want to have listen to it. And I said, you bet. It was, it's not even released yet. But I said, but I, I want her to have it because she needs to hear this song. It's, we call it our life-saving song because he called me up three days later and said, you just saved a life. I said, what do you mean? He says, you remember that song you sent to me? This girl was at the point of no return. I played her the song, and she decided to stick around. Mm-hmm. And so I said, see, if that's the only person we ever touched, if I, just, if I could save one life out there, then it was worth recording. And I said that from day one. I said, if I only get an audience of four, and those four people listening are my four sons, and if I can leave all this invaluable information in libraries, 100 episodes now of achieving awesomeness now for the next generation of Osmonds, if I do nothing more than reach my children through this and have an audible journal of what I learned and left here on this earth, if that's all I ever do with this show, then it was worth recording. And I'm well, just yes, allowing the rest of the world to listen into person, that. Yes. Yes. But you're all invited to come in and listen and subscribe while you're there. <laughs> yes, and it's tell us how we tune into your podcast, Nathan. Oh, there's so many ways. I mean, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Libsyn, we're on CastBox, we're on Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you can find good podcasts, look for Nathan Osmond or Achieving Awesomeness Now, or just go to NathanOsmond.com and click on the word podcast on that little tab. That'll take you right to us. That's one of the yes, easiest Nathan ways NathanOsmond.com. That's it. Yeah. Just we t- we talked about questions um, a couple of weeks ago. Are there, and questions yeah. are very important in life um, to ask ourselves as well. Are there certain questions, Nathan, that we should be asking ourselves in order to achieve what we want and move forward in life? Now, that's an inspired question. 
a good friend of mine, a really inspired man, President Dallin H. Oaks, he said something once that just stuck with me. He says, the, the, he says that the, the key to effective teaching is asking inspired questions. But nothing is more important than the types of questions that we ask ourselves. You see, just like Charlie Brown, uh, I, I, whenever I tell that story, I always ask my audience, now by a show of hands, how many of you guys talk to yourselves? Raise your hands nice and high. And then I say, the people that aren't raising their hands right now are saying to themselves, I don't know, do I talk to myself? Yeah, you just did it. You see what I'm saying? We all do it. And sometimes the most riveting conversations are the ones that you have with you. Sometimes the only nice things you're going to hear about you are the things that you say to you. Yeah, as so they say, sometimes you have you. the best conversations with yourself, right? You've got, to, you've got to be careful what you tell yourself because you might believe it. Just like my father who put his arm around me and he said, people want to hear what you have to say. Are you telling yourself that? Because um, just like it was uh, Henry Ford talked about, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. You know, and, and so mm-hmm. I always like that quote because it's so true. A mindset is, is everything. Showing up is a, is, is a big part of success as well because uh, you can't just talk about success. You have to actually apply what it is that you're learning. So to know and not to do is worse than not knowing, in my, my opinion. you mm-hmm. got to put action behind it. Just like one of my favorite books says, faith without works is dead. And so if you truly believe something, you're going to act on it. You're going to live it, right? And so if you're telling yourself, though, these things that are negative, you are literally hardwiring your brain to believe everything that you say to you. So be careful. You know, what killed Heath Ledger? It was the Joker. You know, these actors get into these roles. They just can't get out of it. Angelina Jolie's talked about that a lot. And I was this, I, I know from, from living it that I became Charlie Brown. And if I had kept on that path, who knows where I'd be today? Probably not achieving awesomeness, that's for sure. And mm-hmm. so be careful what you say. And I also like what Andy Andrews said on our show, too. He says that the quality of your questions, uh, the quality of your answers is determined by the quality of your questions, he said, close quote. And I, I like that. But you got to ask yourself the right question. You don't, you don't say, hey, why am I fat? No. You say, why, you know, ask a better question. Why, why am I making decisions today that will put me in a worse situation than I would be in tomorrow? You know, why, why, am, I, why am I choosing this over this? And what is the real cause behind it? The why is the biggest question of all. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why am I podcasting? Why are you doing radio, Donna Lynn? Why? Why are we doing any of the things that we're choosing to do in life? Why am I doing mortgages with OsmondHomeLoans.com? Why am I doing it? Because I choose to, to, to leave my talents here. My father always said, leave it on the stage. You're only as good as your last show. I hope that I can change the world by simply being me. And most people nowadays struggle with discovering who me is. That sounds like bad English. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think but the who, word who are you know, you? I started I started asking that word why when I was very little. People got very tired of me. Um, but a lot of people listened as well. Like, I don't always ask why and take that question until I couldn't take it any further. I love question asking, by the way, and I've studied yeah. a lot of it. Um, moving on here, um, one of the things um, you said your dad put his arm around you and he gave you some advice. I think that is so charming, and I could think of so many other adjectives. Not everybody has that in their lives. True. Um, you, you, yes, you're from a very solid Christian background. Your father is Alan Osmond of the original Osmond Brothers. Who doesn't know them? Um, and you knew both sets of your grandparents. Your grandmother, Olive, was an educator and theologian. And how did she advise you um, and influence you, Nathan? Because she was a force in your life. Ooh. So many ways. Uh, of all my grandparents on both sides, each one of them has no clue how much they've influenced me for good. And I have no nothing negative to say about any one of those individuals you just brought up. Because every time that I was with them, they made me feel like I was loved, cared for. They, they always were striving to teach me something whether that was about integrity, like my grandpa Pinnegar, 
or or my grandmother Pinnaker, who just loved music, who was who was my singing partner around the piano and taught me a love for harmony, you know, or my grandma Osmond, who taught me to dance the foxtrot and taught me how how I should memorize this First Peter three fifteen, you know, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, you know, to be a great missionary. She had gospel discussions with Elvis Presley and the Queen of England. Grandpa Osmond, talk about a real estate man. Heck, I'm the first grandchild to get his last his his first name and a middle name, George. And of 57 grandkids, I'm the first one to get that. And before he passed away, I said, Grandpa, I'm a real estate investor, just like you. Oh, he just lit up. You know what? Well, he was an Army sergeant. I learned patriotism from him and from my dad. You know, and that's the thing is that I've been very fortunate to have family in my life. And Barbara Bush said something about the White House, because we always want to blame the president or the administration that's in there for all the problems in the world. But she, Barbara Bush talked about how the work that we do in the White House doesn't even compare to the impact that this world will receive by the work that you do within your, the walls of your own home. And it all starts within the home, and that's been the biggest breakdown in society, is the breakdown of the family. The Osmonds are all about family, and if you were raised without a mom or a dad, you know what? You can sit there and play the victim, or you can choose to write a new story. Every one of us is writing a story. We're all writing our own Achieving Awesomeness journals, and we are the producers of our Choose Your Own Adventure. And so I encourage people that if you've come from an abusive background, break that chain. If you've come from you know, a, 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 a drug abuse, or if you've come from any type of negative background, Stop it. You have the power to change your story. Life is a choose-your-own-adventure. And those that choose to blame others and not take accountability for where they are, who they are. I got this girl coming on my show coming up soon. Her name is (coughs) Tiffany Barnes. Man, she was one of the youngest people in the state of Utah to be emancipated from her own parents at the age of 15. And she raised herself in high school. She used to write her own sick notes or late notes and excuses, and, and she went to univer- the university and graduated top of her class, and, and, and now she's killing it in the real estate world, and that's how I got to know her. She's got her own foundation that helps to fight abuse now. I love stories like that, you know, because you can be the change that you wish to see in the world. That's what Mahatma Gandhi said we should do. And Yes, it's almost, uh, I, I love the around, to riches stories myself. They're great oh, yeah. stories. Well, that's what Les Brown taught me. He's a cancer survivor. He says, people love to hear about the hard times. They want to hear about how you got through it, how you grew through it, and not just, hey, look how successful and awesome. and taught, you know, That's great that you've, that you've arrived there, and none of us have officially arrived, because as long as God's keeping us here on this big blue ball called Earth, and I call it a campus, the world is our campus, you know what I'm saying? We're here to learn. We're here to grow. As long as you're still here with us, there are still things to be developed and invented and created. There are still children to teach and educate. There's still laughter to be enjoyed, good times, tough times, and things to be learned. Because none of us are going to learn everything on this planet, but we're learning stuff here that we could never learn any other way. And the more we learn on this planet, the more awesomeness we achieve here, it'll be more to our benefit in the next world. So... I think it's important that you leave it all here on the stage called Earth. <laughs> in, in one of your podcasts, you say something very, very important. It really struck me. You say um, you talk about pursuing your dream of going to Nashville and becoming a country singer. Give us the backstory oh, yeah. on that. Yeah, and uh, what was your very first impressions uh, of just being there and around the people? How did you find the people? Well, you know, it's interesting I, I've learned that you dream big. It's just as easy to dream big as it is to dream small. And uh, I, I, I was determined to get out there and pursue a country music career. And uh, so I had the opportunity, because I was already doing music with my brothers, we got to work with one of my favorite country bands, which is Lone Star. They came out here to Utah for the 4th of July, and we got to be on the show with them. Well, during the finale of that show, they're blasting off all these fireworks, and I'm standing there by these guys. And, uh, you know, I was just really excited to get to visit with them. I, so I went over to the guy that had probably the most in common with me because I'm a keyboard player. So I went up to the keyboard player, Dean Sams. And I said, hey, Dean, 
nice to meet you. And I said, I, you know, you guys are so great. What a great show. I said, you know, you never do a bad song. I said, I'm a songwriter. You know, I've had Bryant McKnight produce some of my stuff. I tried to kind of build some credibility. And, you know, it's always been my dream to come out to Nashville and write with you guys. I'd love to come out sometime and do this. He said, well, why don't I just, here, let me give you my email. Why don't you just come out to Nashville and we'll, we'll write together. And I was thinking to myself, it can't be that easy. He gave me his email. I also got Richie McDonald, the lead singer's email. And so I said, you know what? They're not going to call me. Don't wait for your ship to come in. You swim out to meet it. So I, I made up, I created the opportunity to go out to Nashville and, and write with this guy. Long story short, I get out there and I don't even have his phone number because all I have is an email and he wouldn't respond back to me when I was finally getting to like the day before, the week before, the day before I fly out there to actually take him up on his offer. I'm not getting any response back. So now I've already booked my ticket, my car, my hotel. I'm going to Nashville without any way of reaching these guys. I get out there and I network, 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 and I finally traced him down. And after I told him how I got his phone number from their tour manager, he says, let me call you back in 10. He doesn't call me back in 10 or an hour or two hours or six hours. And now I'm freaking out, turning back into Charlie Brown, going, he probably thinks I'm just a fanboy and I've got his cell phone number, and now I'm in his backyard, and he's psycho. He's going to get a restraining order against you. All the negative thoughts, right? I said, stop it, Charlie Brown. Why don't you go to the Cheesecake Factory, get some good food, and you get your head straight? <laughs> you know, you came out here to Nashville to get inspired by this town. Why don't you just find out where this Broadway place is, where all these honky-tonks are? Why don't you go down and get inspired by Nashville, Music City? So I did that. And I went down there with my little recorder. I started talking to these bouncers and people at the doors and hearing these great musicians and interviewing cowboys on the street. I finally got down to the, the Wild Horse Saloon, which is down at the end of Broadway. And uh, my phone goes off at 1030 at night. And it was Dean. And he's like, Nathan, I'm such an idiot. I totally spaced calling you back. What are you doing right now? I said, I'm in my car driving to your house. How the heck do I get there? And he just laughed. He said, I love your tenacity. That's what you got to have to make it out here. So he gave me his he gave me his address, and a miracle happened. I actually found it in the dark. It was nighttime without a GPS. And so I go into his house. He sits me down at his piano. He says, all right, let's see what you got. In other words, prove yourself. So I just played him little snippets of some of these songs that I had written. And, and he goes, you wrote that? I said, yeah. He says, play another one. And I did. Play another one. And I did. Finally, he cuts me off, and he goes, Nathan, three things. One, I hate you. And I got nervous. He says, because I'm a keyboard player, you make that look easy. Number two, what are you doing in Utah? we got to get you out here to Nashville. You have so much to offer this town. And number three, guess who's coming to my house tomorrow night to write? You are. You see, and I was, like, exploding inside. I try to keep my cool and I said, hey, let's work on one of the songs you started. Do you have any starters? That's what they call them. They've already started writing it. I recorded this melody. I took it back to my hotel room that night. And the whole day the next day, I spent on my knees just trying to get inspired. What is this song supposed to be about? And I wrote the whole song. And I brought it to him at 9 o'clock the next night. He's like, you wrote that? I said, yeah, I just kind of threw it together. I spent the whole day on that sucker. But you know what? He loved it. We made it even better and tweaked it here and there. And I recorded it. And I went home that night with a song I had just recorded, I'd just written with Lone Star. And it was the beginning of my dream. But guess what? Sometimes life can throw you curveballs. And about a week or two later, Richie McDonald, the lead singer of Lone Star, emailed the band and said, I'm going solo. And there goes my, my one of my favorite bands. There goes my big opportunity. Or else, dot, 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 think. Think fast on your feet. And I said, Dean, they had tied up the song. They were going to record it. My first song I ever write in Nashville was going to get recorded by Lone Star. How cool is that? But now the band's falling apart. So I said, if you're not going to record that song, you mind if I do? It's always been my dream to have my own country album, you know, in career. And so he says, well, you, why don't you just come to my house and we'll do it right? And I said, you know, I'll take you up on that. And I did. And that's how I got my foot in the door in Nashville. I just uh, announced this week there's a new movie coming out called Even in Dreams. And guess what? The director of this film, which is all about going out and pursuing your, your, your music dream in Nashville, cast me in this movie as myself. I actually get to play Nathan Osmond in a movie now and helping these up-and-coming artists in the movie going after their dreams. Isn't it interesting that, yes, and that you I am something now in a film just, uh... all about this? 
uh, something yeah. very important that I want to follow up on here. You use the word tenacity, and I love that word, and it's so important in life. Um, but you say that pursuing our dreams in your podcast, you said, it's not for the faint of heart. And what is your best yeah. advice for, for going after what we want in addition to tenacity? Well, tying into that story I just told, guess who didn't know I was going after that dream? My parents, my brothers, my uncles and aunts. Nobody knew about this. Why? Because I didn't tell them. Why? Wouldn't they be supportive of you? You'd think, but aren't we all related to people that just love us so much that they just don't want to see us get hurt? I found out in life early on that sometimes rather than just talk about it, just go out and make it happen and don't tell everybody what you're doing. Because sometimes people are worried that because they couldn't do it that you can't either because you share the same DNA. And sometimes I think those people love us. They don't want to see us get hurt. But three, I think those people might see that we just might have the goods to go after and succeed And those people, whether they're related or just friends, are worried that we're going to leave them in the dust. Mm -hmm. And misery loves company. So stop talking about what you're going to do. Just go and do it. And once you start to get the results that you want, then those same people will start asking you a different question. How did you do that? Mm -hmm. And isn't that a much better position to be in? So I found in life that as you go after your dream, it's not for the faint of heart. Like my Uncle Donnie taught me, he says, you got to have thick skin because not everybody's going to like you. And guess what? I have found that to be true. And i got to ask myself, do I even care? Because mm-hmm. so many of us care, and as an entertainer, for too long I cared about that. You can't make everybody happy. You'll go crazy trying to do that. And by the, by the way, uh, be proud of who you are. And not only who you are, who you are but whose you are. Be proud of whose you are. I was taught at a young age that I am a child of the Most High God and that I was sent here to this earth to be tried and tested and to learn and that there is a game plan and a purpose for this whole earth and that someday, you know, I will return to my maker as we all will. And I've got to stand accountable for the things that I did here on this planet. I am so grateful for the hope that I find in in that truth. And the thing is, is that you've got to be able to have the confidence. My Uncle Donnie says, watch out for yes men, because there's plenty of them. Oh, you're the best. You're the greatest. You can do nothing wrong. Baloney. We're all Mm -hmm. human. We're all learning. We're all going to be flat from time to time. We have a slogan in our family. If you're flat, fix it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) We're we're honest with each other so we can improve ourselves, because we only have a certain amount of time to get stuff done. Well, you said you have to have a... A thick skin, and you really do, and I think, especially in broadcasting, you learn very quickly, oh. I've been doing this a long time, that we're all unloved, but you have to have a yeah. thick skin about that, and you do, I think you're we acquiring that. Do. Well, you know, I've had to get tough, and it's, there have been some heartbreaking stories, you know, you meet some characters along the way, kind of like the Wizard of Oz, you know, but we always have the ability and the power to go home, we've always had it with us, and the key is, is to just, you know, click your heels and go to work. <laughs> That's right. You know, follow yeah. the yellow brick let's, road. Let's and talk about this, um, yeah. this film because it's even in dreams and it's with um, Allison Ingram from Little House on the Prairie. That's right. She played Nasty Nelly on that show. And then in this movie, she, sure she plays did. a really nasty uh, Nashville manager. Oh, she does such a good job. She, she was in a movie with my Aunt Marie called I Married Wyatt Earp as well. So she's been around. I love that lady. Yeah, she has been around a long time. What is your role in the film? You, you said you get to play yourself. Yes. See, this, this gal uh, in the first film, which is twice the dream, uh, she uh, and her sister have this vision of going out to Nashville and writing music and this and that. But if you watch the first, the first movie, the sister ends up passing away. Well, guess what? In, in round two now, in, in, uh, even in Dreams, uh, the sister decides she's going to go to Nashville and pursue her sister's dream. Her sister was a great songwriter. And so she'd written all these songs that never got produced. You see what I'm saying? So now her dream is to take that journal, the, that songwriting journal, out to Nashville with her band and and live out her sister's dream for her. And she gets out there and she, she she's naive. 
you know, she gets introduced to this this manager lady who ends up taking advantage of her and, and ends up stealing her sister's song, you know, and the only way that she can get it back is is to pay her all this money. And this, I was I was warned about that when I went out to Nashville. Like, Dean, thank goodness I, I found a good person in the business. And he said to me, he says, Nathan, for every one good guy out here, there's ten snakes. Mm-hmm. you got to know what to watch out for. That's why I was grateful my father, you know, he never wanted to be a step like a stage parent, but that's exactly what he was. And my mother too, because he was there during every stage of my life. And even in the entertainment business, because he had been there before, you know, and he could see things and see what to watch out for. And people knew his experience and history that they didn't take advantage of us. They got taken advantage of a bunch. The Osmonds did. And they learned the hard way. Well, what's this life all about? If we don't learn from the past, we're doomed to repeat it. So uh, anyways, this gal goes out there to Nashville and I meet her in the studio, and I find out about her sister who passed away, you know, because she was a big Nathan Osmond fan. I said, was. And then she just, <laughs> she just recently passed, you know, and, and then I, it's kind of one of those awkward moments, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, is, there, is there anything I can do to help you guys? Just let me know. And the band starts going to their session, and I stop Sam, the main character in the show, and I, I say, hey, you know, it's a crazy business, and if there's anything I can ever do to help you out, it's kind of like what Dean did for me. You know, and I gave her my business card in the movie. And so I says, give me a call. And I said, before she walks out, I said, Sam, the ones that we love never truly leave us. Never really leave us. And and, and uh, you have this one of those like special moments there. She At the end of the film, she takes me up on the offer and I come in to, to help with a fundraising concert so she can buy that song back. So mm-hmm. I'm in a couple of things. So, but then I was so honored to get to be cast as myself in it, you know. Well, Nathan, is the movie out like, right now? Can we see it? It comes somewhere? out August 6th to theaters. Okay. August, August 6th, 6th to theaters. Coming okay. out. But you can watch the trailer on YouTube or on Facebook. Okay. Now, I'm bringing this up to or date on, on what's happening in your musical career. And when can we look forward to seeing you perform again? Well, I'm excited that things are opening up. I got two new songs that are on the soundtrack for the movies. I got one that's called Nashville, Here I Come, which I started to write. As I went out there that first trip for, with Dean, I started to come up with the concept for that song. And my friend Marwena Diami and Yo Cassiers, uh, we, we wrote that song together. And I also do one in the movie called uh, Welcome to the Party, which I, I perform in the show. So there's two new songs. I just put out a single called All In, which is all about our world and the situations that we're in right now and how we need to come together and put our differences aside. Uh, I talk about tempers fly and statues fall. There's chaos in the streets cities burning, people yearning for peace and unity. This is, there, there's no room for hatred. Put our differences aside, hand in hand across the land. Let us all unite. All in is the, is the chorus, you know, and you got to check it out, but it's all about coming together and, 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 and being one, you know, and there's so much division, and, and, and it's, I believe a lot of it is scripted and put out there to divide us. And we need to see through the minutiae. We need to see through the programming that's on these news networks and say, I see what you're trying to do here, but let me see, let me show you this. I got a bigger picture for America and for the Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. I choose to be the light. I choose to be the change that I wish to see in the world. I'm not going to be a racist person. I'm not going to say things or do things. I'm not going to, uh, you know, lose my temper. I'm not going to go burn down a police precinct. I'm not going to go and spray paint and do things like this. I'm not going to shoot somebody in the street because they're wearing a, a certain hat I don't like. You know, I, I, I got to be the change. I got to yes, see through yes. what they're trying to do to us and be bigger than that, you know? And that's what it's about. It's like, you know what? It's time for massive action, not mass distractions. It's time we face the truth. Open up your eyes to see what's really going on. When they try to divide us, it will only unite us. Let this be our song. All in, you know what I'm saying? So it's one of those powerhouse songs. you got to check it out. It's on iTunes. Um, I just did another song that was on a movie soundtrack that just came out. Um, uh, Lucy Scholl and the, and, the, and the Prince of Peace, I think is what it's called. But the song is called uh, A Parent's Lullaby. And my friend Cameron Morrison wrote that song, and it's just a really powerful song on a movie soundtrack. Um, I, I, I released um, some more music during Christmas. And by the way, I've got a free song for all of your listeners can i go ahead and give it to them right now yes sure okay here's i'm going to do something that people think is crazy 
I'm going to give them my cell phone on the air because if they text me the word home, I'm going to send them a free song. So all you have okay. to do is text me one word, the word home, to 801-769-9481. That's 801-769-9481. If you text the word home, I'm going to send you a really cool patriotic song that I wrote called Stand Up and Shout. Because I'm doing a lot in, in, in with our troops. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm an honorary command sergeant major. I love the military, and I want to give back. I help a lot of our veterans with VA loans through OsmondHomeLoans.com, and I want to give every one of your listeners a, a song that I want them to share with any veteran that they know, and it's called Stand Up and Shout, and it's just so such a thank you song to our troops that I want you to have it for free because I want our troops to know how much we care for them and thank how much so we much. appreciate That's very nice what they've done do for that. us. Thank you. Well, um, we're getting I a little low on time here, so I have one more thing, one last question, yeah. and that is who are some of the people, Nathan, that you'd love to work with, uh, country or otherwise? Oh, my heck. I have so many, and I've had the blessing to work with so many of the people that have influenced me in life already. Um, I'm, uh, the three guys that converted me to country music were Colin Ray, Vince Gill, and, of course, Garth Brooks. And I've had the opportunity to not only record now with Colin Ray, not only did I get to replace my buddy Vince on a recording that I did with Jack Green that went all the way to number one. And so I've been able to hang out with him backstage at the Grand Ole Opry, but I finally got to meet Garth and to get to hang out with him and Trisha backstage. He's coming back here to Utah soon, but I was able to thank the guy that really converted me to country, and I gave him a signed copy of my album. And I said, this is because of what you inspired me to do. You inspired me to achieve awesomeness. And that's why I hope to be that for someone else. I hope to pass it on. you know. And then when I'm gone, I hope that my listeners, even if it's just those four boys, my sons, I hope they want to step into their greatness and achieve awesomeness. Well, Nathan, for my I think that you definitely are passing it on. Definitely. That's what it's all about. You know, you, and, you know I thought that you. was going to be you know, my last question, you, you but I have one more thing. Uh, before yeah. we stop, what are some of your biggest dreams that you hope to attain? Oh, gosh. You know, I just I want to be able to continue to produce great music, uh, great content, whether that's a movie like the one I'm in now coming out or, or uh, you know, anything that inspires the mind and lifts the soul. i got a production company called Intune Productions, so I love the creative side of things. That's why I like Walt Disney. You know, he just inspires me to no end. I want, I, I want to be able to, to have a name, a household name, Nathan Osmond, that people – look at with that you know I, i'm probably never going to create a theme park but you know what I, I hope to be like him because he said sometimes it's fun to do the impossible i want to be somebody that that when you think of them it brings a smile to your face you know somebody that 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 that, that touched your heart in some way or another you know I, and, and not for my glory but for god's glory i just want to be a light and I want to be able to travel the world again. You know, I'm so grateful to see it opening up. I want to take my wife with me this time because I've been all over, over 26 different countries. I want to return down to Chile where I served a two-year mission and revisit some of those people. I'd like to serve a mission someday with my wife and tell people, you know, the glad tidings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to, I want to be able to just write music that, that, that praises my maker and, and be able to bring people to him. You know, through secular ways, you know, whether that's through a concert or a movie or a film. That's why I call it In Tune Productions. In Tune is my initial and my tune. In Tune, I like that. that. You see what I'm saying? And I've, been, yes. I've had that established since 2003. But you know what? I just want to be able to just leave it all on the stage. I hope I get to live to be 101 like the guy that I just met. I just met the candy bomber the other day. This man, you know, he served over in 1948. He was flying over delivering supplies to the people in Germany, dropping them right over Berlin. But he saw the faces of these children. He wanted to make a difference. And, and so he says, let's get him some candy. And so he became known as the candy bomber because they had these little parachutes, and they dropped over 32 tons of candy over Berlin. 
And uh, and now he's going to be 101 next month. And I finally got to meet one of my heroes the other night. And his name is Gail Halverson. Gail Halverson is still with us, almost 101 years old, and had the biggest smile. He could be an Osmond. I got to shake his <laughs> hand and salute him, and I was just in tears. So, <laughs> Well, Nathan, we're, we're getting a long time, but you have so much to offer. I, I wish you the best. I know we're going to do this again at some Thank point. You. I love talking with you. Oh, yeah. And um, I appreciate your time today and everything you've contributed to this show. You are always well, so wonderful. You. Can I say I, one I, more thing? Sure. Can I say one last thing? Yes. A lot of people are just finding this out, but during uh, during COVID, I took time to go back to school, and I got an education in uh, in the mortgage world. I'm keeping my grandfather's name alive, Osmond. He started Osmond Real Estate here in Utah. I'm keeping it alive now in the mortgage world, and I'm helping save the world one mortgage at a time. I would love it if your listeners that are looking to maybe move out here west to Utah or Idaho and soon California, uh, they can go to osmondhomeloans.com and check it out. And mention that they heard this interview on Donna Lynn, and they will get a free appraisal with their home loan. So we're well, going to hook up your listeners you that much. way, too. You got it. We like, we like to take care of those that listen to good content. Like the Donna Lynn show here. She's incredible, guys. <laughs> You're so nice. Follow her and, on social media. She's awesome. And be sure and go to, for more information, look up Nathan's podcast. And be sure to look up Nathan on NathanOsman.com. Now, people can people purchase your CDs at NathanOsman.com? Oh, yes. And more than that, we just launched the brand-new merch store with so many cool items. I've even brought back all my old vintage T-shirts. We've recreated them so that people that didn't that we ran out of them years ago can finally get them again. So we are bringing we're bringing it back. And uh, just go to nathanosman.com and click on store, and you can find all sorts of cool products there too. Thank you so much, Nathan. And I'll see all of you next time on one more thing. <laughs>